Hello, and welcome to the Odessa First Assembly podcast. My name is Tony, and I'm the Digital Ministry Manager here at OFA. Today we have a message for you from our sermon series titled, The Spirit-Filled Life. Throughout this series, we'll be exploring the Holy Spirit and what it means to be filled with His power in our lives. Our lead pastor, Todd Starnes, will be sharing powerful insights into this important topic. We'll also hear from myself and Derek Thurlby on different aspects of the Spirit-Filled Life. So without further ado, let's jump right into today's message from The Spirit-Filled Life. Good morning. Something's out of whack here. I don't want to fall over, fall forward. Good morning. Hope you're not this quiet the rest of the morning. So glad you're here and a lot going on. And uh, thank you for praying for us. Um, I'm excited to spend uh, some time in India and where I just found out that it's going to be... Uh, 112 each day with 100% humidity and no air conditioning. So, suffering for Jesus, man. <laughs> so maybe I'll lose some weight. Uh, and I, I was told to expect a whole lot of rice. So, but pray for us, and um, we're grateful for that. And really looking forward to this. All of our teams, we just be praying for them over the next few weeks, and um, just the Lord would use them. And, uh, you know, I was just thinking about Acts chapter 1, verse 8, and it says that, uh, you know, that you're going to go into all the world, but he gives that command in Mark and Matthew, but in Acts 1, 8, he says, uh, you know, Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the ends of the earth. You know, a lot of people sometimes get a little critical on why are you going around the world when we have so many lost people here at home? And, and there's definitely, we have lost people everywhere, but it's the command of Scripture, it's a command of Jesus that we go everywhere. That we go everywhere. And so I was trying to think, how can I say this in a positive way? And I, I really, I don't, I don't know, I, I don't... I, intended to be just like super negative, but the reality is don't complain about somebody going across the world when you haven't gone to your neighbor. I, I went to, I was associate pastors in Amarillo and there was a lady that came to kind of complain about that. We were going, actually, was either, either going to El Salvador or Chiapas. I can't remember some missions trip, you know, and she just kind of went on this rant about, you know, we're going all over there and there's so many lost people and, you know, here and all that kind of stuff. And, I just asked her, I was like, well, what's your neighbor's name? And she couldn't even tell me her neighbor's name. And I was like, well, you tell me your neighbor's name, and then, and then we'll talk. I just want to encourage you that it is, it is not the great suggestion. It's the great commandment that we be witnesses. And, and yes, our walk matters so much. You know, some people, you know, we kind of, I think, use it a little bit of a, as a crutch at times, you know, that it's more about, you know, uh, you know, walking the walk and being the hands and feet of Jesus, and all that is true. But I'm going to tell you, the Scripture says, "How are they going to hear unless somebody preaches?" And you don't have to have a pulpit and up on a ten foot stage to preach the gospel. You can live it out, you can speak it out, you can declare it out. And so, I just I want to encourage you to do that. 
John chapter 3, we're in a series of Spirit-Filled Life, and I'm excited about this morning. This morning's sermon is titled, Holy Wind, Holy Wind. John chapter 3, let's pray. You can turn there as we pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this morning and just your work already, Lord. We just thank you for the, um, just for the work you're doing in our church, Lord. Here in our hearts and as we do all that we can to reach around us, but Lord, what you're doing through us all around the world, we're grateful and thankful. And Father, I pray that you would speak to our hearts today, Lord, that you would, our hearts would be open, ready to receive your word. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. And just a point of celebration, you know, we kind of run like six months behind a little bit. Uh, uh, we, we don't get final numbers until approaching district council. But I did want to tell you, you know, uh, uh, last year we broke a record uh, for missions giving for our church, and we gave $74,000 to missions uh, in 2021. In 2022, we broke that record and almost gave $80,000 to missions last year. Can we not celebrate that? Isn't that awesome? I, I, I've got a dream. I've got a dream to break that $100,000 mark. And uh, I think that'd be a wonderful thing. It's to celebrate of what we've done with the Lord's who's been faithful. But John chapter 3, beginning in verse 1, we're going to read about, the, about Nicodemus. And I, I love this passage, this, this account of Scripture. John chapter 3, beginning in verse 1. There was a man named Nicodemus, a Jewish religious leader who was a Pharisee. After dark, after, after dark one evening, he came to speak with Jesus. Rabbi, he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. And I really want these words to seek in. Because you have to remember, and I'm going to explain a little bit more, that who Nicodemus, the group he's a part of, he's a part of this Pharisee group. He's a part of this Sanhedrin group. But he said, we all know that God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. Jesus replied, I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. Verse 4, what do you mean, exclaimed Nicodemus? How can an old man go back into his mother's room and be born again? Jesus replied, I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. Humans can re reproduce only human life, but the Holy Spirit gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. And verse 8, the wind blows wherever it wants, just as you hear the wind but can't tell where it comes from and where it's going so you can explain how people are born of the Spirit. Now, I want to remind you that if you, if hopefully maybe your brain is processing a little bit, and it's just in a few verses after this that we really get the, the famous scripture of John 3.16. It is when that conversation with Nicodemus that Jesus says that the, the, that the Father is sending his Son, his only beloved Son, that whoever believe in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. And so this is the context that this encounter is happening. And I, I love this whole, uh, th th this whole process. And, you know, Nicodemus, he was 
a really, he was a, 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 a rabbi, he was a teacher of the law that, as we see, probably had a favorable view of Jesus. I mean, he tells him, we, I recognize that you're doing miracles. I recognize that the Father has sent you to teach us. I mean, for a Pharisee to say this, you've got to comprehend the magnitude of this. And not only that, but we, we read that uh, uh, how he is a leader of this religious Jewish council. See, so the Pharisees, there was about 6,000 of them in this day. And Nicodemus is not only one of those 6,000, but he is a leader of all of them. And not only is he a leader of all of them, I mean, his, history tells us that they respected him, that they honored him, that, you know, he was viral. I guess maybe to put it in our vernacular. But people knew who he was. And this is not the only place we read about Nicodemus. We read about Nicodemus in John chapter 7. In John chapter 7, verse 50. Then, so this is, um, uh, Jesus is arrested. Then Nicodemus, the leader who had met Jesus earlier, talking about John chapter 3, he speaks up. Is it legal to convict a man before he is given a hearing? And so we see Nicodemus being pointed out again. And, you know, maybe he's not really on that limb quite yet. But at least he's saying something. He's, he's not sneaking. You know, it's not the dark of night like we find in John chapter 3. And they respond to him, verse 52, Are you from Galilee too? Search the scriptures and see for yourself. No prophet ever comes from Galilee. And then we read about Nicodemus again in John chapter 19 and verse 39. Nicodemus also, who earlier had come to Jesus by night, came bringing a mixture. So this is after the death of Jesus. Joseph of Arimathea has asked for the body of Jesus, came bringing a mixture of myrrh and aloes. And listen to the weight of this. Think about this. 75 pounds. Do you think Jesus had an impact on Nicodemus? I would say that he did. So they took the body of Jesus, bound in linen cloths and spices, as was for the custom. And now in the place where he was crucified, there was a garden, and the garden a new tomb in which no one had yet been laid. And so Nicodemus, I mean, really the pinnacle of, of, of religious influence in the first century. Matter of fact, his name means victory for the people. He's not only an influencer, but he, I mean, he holds these positions. And so let's process kind of now this, this text, knowing a little bit more about Nicodemus. So here's this man, a religious leader of the Pharisees, comes to Jesus at night, Rabbi, we all know God has sent you to teach us. Your miraculous signs are evidence that God is with you. And then Jesus responds... I tell you the truth, unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of God. You know, Jesus, I, <laughs> you know, the way he framed things so many times and used kind of what was happening in the moment to bring out a spiritual principle. And I don't know that you're catching this. Nicodemus comes to Jesus at night. I don't know if you know this, but it's a little difficult to see at night. Did you know that? Because the sun's not up, and it's dark. 
One of, the, one of my favorite times to, to pig hunt is on a full moon because sometimes you can see little black little spots come out, you know, on that field. But I still got to turn a light on to see them. I mean, it's still dark even with a full moon. And so here's Nicodemus coming to Jesus at night, being a little bit secretive. And look how Jesus responds. Listen, buddy, I know that you're coming to me at night, but you, you, you cannot see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. He's using that moment to teach Nicodemus something. You can't see the kingdom of God unless you're born again. But here's what I know is that at least Nicodemus was coming to him. And it really brings the first thing I want to draw out is you've got to seek Jesus for you. That's a simple point. Point number one, you've got to seek Jesus for you. Nicodemus, knowledgeable, influencer, leader, cream of the crop, seeking, he wasn't seeking Jesus on behalf of the people, not on the behalf of the Jewish nation, but he wanted to see for himself about Jesus. You've got to seek Jesus for yourself. Listen to me. You cannot pursue the Lord on behalf of your spouse. You cannot pursue the Lord on the... Uh, on behalf of your kids or your family, you can't do it for anybody else but you. And now, a lot of those factors may come into play. To maybe to you know somebody invites us, and 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 you know we say you know going to go to church to meet a friend. I mean, there God has tools and ways to draw us. But I'm going to tell you, if you really want to know who Jesus is, you've got to decide that you're going to seek Him for you. For you. I mean, that was the power in Matthew chapter 16. When Jesus, who do people say that I am? And the disciples are, you know, some say you're John the Baptist. Some say you're, you know, Elijah. Some say Jeremiah, one of the prophets. And then Jesus turns it. And what does he say? Who do you say that I am? You've got to know for you who Jesus is. You, you, you can't go on somebody else's encounter. Somebody else's testimony may move you, but you've got to find it for your, you got to find him for yourself. The only way you're going to know the faithfulness of God is for you to experience it. The only way you're going to know the provision of God is for you to experience it. And he wants you to experience the fullness of himself. I'm preaching a little bit good here this morning. Are you with me? All right. I, I forgot about I have, this, I have this in my notes, so I'm not off track at all. Um, you know, it, it was. I think there used to be a T-shirt. Even anybody ever heard the saying, um, "Going to church makes you Christian," about as much as parking in a garage makes you a Cadillac. And that's really what it comes down to. And I, I cannot tell you how many times, how many marriages, how many situations where. I, I've had people in my office break down, weeping, crying. Oh, this time it's going to be different. If God would just give me my family back, it's going to be different this time. But I want to tell you, you've got to find Jesus for you. There can be no other reason behind it, but that it's between you and Jesus. A podcast isn't going to do it. A church isn't always going to do it. Uh, uh, that, 
talking about the Lord isn't going to do it. You've got to seek Jesus for you. And I know I could have worded, looking, I could have worded this a whole lot better, but you're next fill in the blank. To seek Jesus, it takes all your heart. we got to seek Jesus with all of our heart. I mean, Scripture is clear about that, that whenever we seek him, we seek him with all of our heart. I want to see you to see another one of these responses. So we're going to skip down in John chapter 3 to verse 19. And he says, and the judgment is, so this is after, so we just read our text. I mean, we've already, you know, we've gone over John 3, 16, and Jesus continues. And the judgment is based on this fact. God's light came. Remember, Nicodemus came at night. Jesus is using this as an illustration point. God's light came in the world, but people love the darkness more than the light. You've got to seek Jesus for you. For their actions were evil. All who do evil hate light and refuse, refuse to go near it, for their sins will be exposed. But those who do what is right come to the light so others can see that they are going to do what God wants. Do you think it was accident or just, you know, just coincidence that Jesus is focusing in the light when Nicodemus came at night? And so my question is simply this. Are people surprised that you come to church? If you were to talk about your faith outside of the context of home or church, would people be surprised? Y'all got really, really quiet. Do you live in the dark about your faith. I'm going to tell you that if you've really had that encounter with Jesus, the ripples are far more than attending a service at 1030 on Sunday morning. It's going to affect your Monday morning at nine o'clock. It's going to impact your Friday night at 11 o'clock. He promises, Jeremiah 29, 13, if you look for me wholeheartedly, you'll find me. Psalm 63, 1, oh God, you are my God. I earnestly search for you. My soul thirsts for you. My whole body longs for you. James 4, 8, come close to God and he'll come close to you. Seek Jesus. Not someone else's opinion of Jesus. I'm going to tell you something that we've tried to even teach our kids. Don't base your relationship solely on what you've seen between me and your mom. You've got to find him for yourself. You've got to experience him on your own. The second thing is this, protect your salvation. Protect your salvation. I, yeah, I, you know, uh, yeah, Philippians 2, 12 and 13. I just... I don't know if you don't know, but I've used Philippians 2.13 a few times since I've been here. But look more at the passage, verse 12 and 13. Dear friends, you always follow my instructions when I was with you. This is Paul writing. And now that I'm away, it is even more important, look what he says, work hard to show the results of your salvation. This is a very good, then the New Living does a very good job translating this scripture. 
some of you may be more familiar with a more literal translation that says you work out your salvation with fear and trembling. But the NLT is really a better exact translation of what's being said here. Work hard to show. Everybody say show. Work hard to show the results of your salvation. Everybody say your or say mine. <laughs> Obeying God with deep reverence and fear for it is God working in you to will and to act according to his good purpose. So listen to me. So many times it, it, this verse is used, I'll do me, you do you. I, I'm going to live out my salvation the way that I need to live it out. You, you live it out your way. That, that could have, a, that, that's a double-edged sword. Because what scripture is literally saying, like if we were to like really be literal what's being said here, when you break apart the Greek, it's this, is that you work your salvation the same way that you, a farmer works a field. Does that say, oh, I'll just be me and you be you? I mean, I, I know I'm no green thumb, but I, I've sure seen a lot of farmers in my day when they're breaking up that ground and they're irrigating that ground and they're planting that ground and they're fertilizing that ground and they're crop dusting that ground and they get a whole lot of insurance money for that ground. Sorry. <laughs> Never mind. That was a little facetious. I like the way the Amplified say this, verse 12. Therefore, my dear ones, so the Amplified, if, if you don't know, what the Amplified does, it, anybody ever read the Amplified? And so you see usually these, these words listed kind of in brackets or parentheses. And kind of, you know, when a preacher's preaching like I just did, and, you know, whenever, the, whenever they translate into English, you know, the English is, is actually, you know, is not just like a really pretty language. <laughs> and so like any, there could be, you know, 10 English words for one Greek word. And if you those that spoke Greek, I mean, it's like they got this full image of what this word means, but it, we're, we're very limited in our English language. So, I, I want, so when you see those brackets, it, it kind of gives you an idea of, of other things that could be put there. Therefore, my dear ones, as you have always obeyed, and it's, it says my suggestions, so now not only, listen, with the enthusiasm you would show in my presence, but much more because I'm absent. Look what it says, work out. So that's our word, that work out our salvation. Work out, look what it says. Cultivate, carry out with a goal. Fully complete your own salvation with reverence and awe and trembling with serious caution. Self, don't trust self. Tenderness of conscience, watchfulness against temptation, timidity, shrinking back from whatever might offend God and discredit the name of Christ. I think that's a great way to process and look at that verse. Listen to me. I'm not saying that nobody needs to know you're saved. Obviously, that's not what protecting your salvation means. What it means is this. I think sometimes we wonder why we go on like that, that roller coaster, while we go up those ups and downs. And I'm going to tell you one thing that you need to do is make a resolution in your heart that no matter what happens, you're going to serve God. Because too many people base their salvation on whether they perceive God is doing good for them or bad for them. 
If you really want to engage and understand what salvation is, it's saying, you know what? I know, God, you are good when good happens. God, I know that you are good when, yea, I'm in the valley of the shadow of death, but you are with me because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. That's an understanding of salvation. When something good happens, yes, we declare God is good all the time, all the time. God is good. But don't shrink back when it doesn't go your way. Don't shrink back when you face that storm, that trial, that diagnosis, that tribulation, because God is still good in that moment. And when you come to that place, you understand what it is to live out and to show your salvation. Work out your salvation. Tend to it. I, and it, it's such like Sunday school foundation. Read your Bibles. Talk to God more than just giving him a want list. Worship when it's time to worship. It's the foundational things. It's the foundational. Resolve now that you'll always serve the Lord. And I, I, I want to add this to it. Stop doubting your salvation. Stop doubting your salvation. I tell you, I grew up in an era and a time, and, and, uh, and I, I really can't say it came from, like, mom or any. I, you know, I don't know. I don't know if it, you know, it was just kind of, like, came from church. But I, I just remember, like, man, I mean, you know, I'm, <laughs> does anybody remember The Shining? Who remembers The Shining? Anybody remember The Shining? I'm old enough to remember The Shining. And I, I remember that uh, this, this, this evangelist came by the church and he was talking about The Shining. He told a story. He's like, you know, be careful what you read, you know. And he started to, yeah, there was this girl and she was reading Stephen King's The Shining and lightning struck her and killed her. Now, I have no idea if that's true or if he was evangelistic speaking or... I. I I kind of doubt maybe there was a little embellishment there. But, you know, you hear, and you're just like, man, I, you know, I messed up once. I mean, lightning's going to strike me. And I'm not suggesting we're in the shining is messing up. That's, that's not the point of the story. But you lived in this thing, and, and it kind of puts you in the place of, well, if there's nothing I can do that's right, then why try anyway? Does, does anybody tracking with me? I... I'm going to tell you, I think that makes the blood of Jesus cheap. I really do. Now, there is a difference when you're living through life and, and man, you, you make bad decisions and you mess up. And I, there's, it's an entirely different thing to willfully walk in rebellion to the Lord. There is a difference. There is a difference, but when I am working out my salvation, that's the power of knowing that God knows my heart. It's a scary thing to be working out my salvation, and I'm living in rebellion to what God wants for my life. Am I making sense this morning? Okay. The third thing about protecting your salvation is make a commitment to join community. It's, it's so wonderful that you're here this morning. And I, you know, don't, I just love how our church, you just never know if we're going to have a packed house or every, like every six-week cycle. <laughs> but listen to me. 
If you want, if you, if you want to protect your salvation, it's got to be more than right now. I mean, it really does. The, the, the biblical standard of us serving the Lord is that it's more than just a corporate worship moment at 1030 on Sunday. I mean, that's why we're trying and, and, and have small groups. And yes, they need to multiply. And, and I'm going to say it again. If you're in Sharman's group, somebody needs to step out in faith. Is that okay that I say that? Somebody needs to step out and, and reproduce what's happening in that small group. Somebody needs to jump in and help Tony and Brittany with uh, Living Free. We need to see an expansion. But I'm going to tell you, if you want to grow as a believer, it's more than right. Right now is not enough. It's really not. And I know, I know we live in a place, in an area that schedules are nuts and, and, and uh, uh, shift work and all that kind of stuff. And I mean, you know, I know there's all kinds of resources, podcasts and YouTube and all that kind of stuff. And utilize all that. But I'm going to tell you, you need to utilize a community. So John chapter 3, verse 4. What do you mean, he exclaimed, right? How to be born again. How can an old man go back in his mother's room and be born again? I assure you, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and spirit. Humans can reproduce only human life, but the spirit only gives birth to spiritual life. So don't be surprised when I say you must be born again. I love this patch. I don't have a whole lot of time to go deep into it. But, uh, I mean, it's really quickly a couple of things. When it says water and spirit, there's all kinds of debate theologically of what's being said right here. And I'm going to tell you, I think water and spirit, what we see is kind of Jesus bringing out, talking about Ezekiel chapter 36. I believe that what he's saying is, I mean, and I, I, Ezekiel 36 is, is so rich when it comes to salvation and also the work of the Holy Spirit in our life. But it tells us, I'll sprinkle clean water on you, and you'll be clean, and your filth will be washed away. I mean, this is Old Testament stuff, and I mean, we're seeing stuff about the gospel. And you will no longer worship idols, and I'll give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. And we got to emphasize, notice in verse 26, it is a little s and not a capital S, God's going to do a renewal work in you. When you come to the place and you are born again, he washes us, he regenerates us, he sanctifies us, he cleanses us. God, I need to get an amen a little bit. I mean, that's just, <laughs> I mean he, he, he purifies us, he washes us, and then he does this work on the inside of us where he puts a new heart in you. And not only that, but he puts a new spirit in you. If you didn't know this before salvation, your spirit is dead. It is dead. But when his blood washes us, the Holy Spirit does this renewal work inside of us. It's 2 Corinthians 5.17. If any man be in Christ, he's a what? He's a new creation. That's that new spirit and new heart that takes place on the inside of us. And then he says in verse 27, I'll put my spirit in you. I'll put my spirit in you. My timer's flashing at me, so I'm going to skip. So this transformation work happens. This work of the Holy Spirit happens in us. When I get back from my trip, I'm going to talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This is what kind of this is leading into. But then he gets to this really curious thing that he talks about. Also, he starts talking about wind. 
John 3, 8, the wind blows wherever it wants. You can hear the wind, but you can't tell where it comes from or where it's going. I mean, if there's anybody that should understand wind a little bit, it should be West Texans. Right? I mean, it really should be West Texans. I mean, like, you know, like, it's like a nice day here. It's calm. It's, you know, and then you look up and you see La Misa blowing in. You're like, yep, there comes that, the haboob or whatever they're called. Here it comes. When we actually lived in La Misa, we would, I mean, living there was something totally different, you know, and we'd always try to escape. Like, I mean, we would, you know, you couldn't breathe in your own home. But we see this thing of this, Jesus using this, 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 this thing about wind. You can't explain where it comes from, but I'll tell you what, you know, you know, going to Sammy's, I don't know what happened, but you know, we had Alyssa's wedding, and then we had to, uh, about 30 minutes, we had to run to Sammy's wedding, and so they had no power out there, and we're going down the street, and I mean, it was like a whole, like a dozen telephone poles just snapped over, just laying in the street, you know, and I mean, you can see the, and we know the power of what wind can happen. How, uh, years ago, we were working camp, and it was just one of those, how, I mean, just being there in that moment, I, you know, just all, it still blows my mind. The kids are playing as West of 50s, which is next week, by the way, if you want information, see Angela. So, but we're at West of 50s, and I, I, was, I was going down, if, I know you may not know how camp's laid out, but there, we call it the 300 wing, and there's the, the, this about 18 kind of motel rooms, and just in a long row, and the kids were down playing, and I was going to go grab them for some reason. And I mean, a, boy, a wind gust just came from right behind me. And uh, I, some West of 50s people had just walked in the building, and Raymond, uh, who then was a caretaker, uh, was really close. And I see the, the entire roof. I mean, we're talking that thing's uh, probably 150 feet long, and the entire roof just lift up. And, and come over and just, I mean, it's land on all the cars. I mean, it's completely lift up, whole intact, and it's come over and land. And I mean, boy, dust just hit, about knocked me over. And I mean, I was like just in shock in that moment thinking, was somebody in the car? Was somebody walking in the room? What, you know, all these things going through my head. I mean, wind can have a very destructive power to it. And Jesus is using this illustration of wind. You, you don't know the sovereignty of God. You, you, you can't, you, you can't co- totally comprehend the sovereignty of God. That, this is what he's talking about here. You don't know my ways. You, you got to know that my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts are higher than your thoughts. You don't know where that wind is coming from. You don't know the, what's going to happen when I blow through. And you don't know the result I'm trying to get. Do you see it? And so he's saying, I, 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 I've got a purpose in, in this, the Holy Spirit and the work he's doing. And I just want to tell you something this morning, is that the wind of the Holy Spirit, the work of the Holy Spirit, is always on time. He is never late. I know we want him to do something sometimes a whole lot more before than it really happens, but you got to know that he's always on time. He is never late. When you look at Acts chapter 2, right? I mean, this is what uh, our movement's founded on about this day of Pentecost and and the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. But the first word of Acts 2.2 really gives us so much description of how God works. Acts 2.2. 
two, two. You know what that first word is? Suddenly. Suddenly. I'm waiting for an effect. Are you, are you, did I lose you? Are you with me? That's the way that God's work happens over and over and over and over and over again, suddenly. But it's right on time. God knew what he was doing when he had them in that upper room on the day of Pentecost. God knew. He, it, he had it figured out before Genesis 1-1 what was going to happen in Acts 2-1. Oh, that's good stuff. He knew exactly what was going to happen. Why? Because that's the way that he works. Nothing takes him by surprise. And I want you to know here this morning, you may be saying, Pastor, I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and I've prayed and I've sought and I've sought and I've fasted and I've waited and I've asked. What you need to trust is that God's wind is sovereign and he knows exactly what he's doing. And there's going to be a moment in time where it suddenly... Where, you, where, where the lost kids suddenly get saved, where there's a sudden healing of cancer, where there's a sudden redemption, where there's a sudden healing in your marriage, it's going to happen suddenly. And so there's a sound, right? The Holy Spirit always comes with power. Verse 2-2 two, two again, Acts 2-2. Two, two. It says, mighty windstorm. Oh, mighty, there is nothing, there is nothing, there is nothing that compares the power of our God. There is nothing that compares the power of our God. And that, the holy wind, the Holy Spirit, I, I mean, I'm, I can't get into so much just because of time, but you know, when you look at 1 Corinthians 12, 11, that the Holy Spirit has a will. I mean, I think sometimes we have this image of the Holy Spirit that is kind of like God's beck and call boy. But the Holy Spirit is God. And he, he carries all of God's attributes because they are one. Are, are you following? Are you tracking with me? So if God is sovereign, the Holy Spirit is sovereign. So the character of God is found in the character of the Holy Spirit. The will of God is found in the will of the Holy Spirit. And he has sent the Holy Spirit to us as a promise, giving us being an advocate and a counselor and a teacher. I want you to know this morning that the moment the Holy Spirit blows, he can change everything in your life. That bondage, that, that, that habit, that cycle, that whatever, that is just, the, the pattern just keeps repeating. You just need a wind of the Holy Spirit. Amen. He can change it all. The last thing is this is the Holy Spirit always blows with life. With life. The worship team would want to come up this morning. I want to go back to Ezekiel chapter 37. Talked about Ezekiel 36, but Ezekiel 37, right? Do you, you know, Ezekiel 37 is the valley of dry bones. You remember that story? I'm going to look at the whole passage, the whole chapter of all what happens. But I want to pick up in verse 7. Ezekiel 37, 7. So I spoke this message. So this is Ezekiel. The Lord's taking him to this valley full of dry bones, 
long, long, long dead. So I spoke this message just as he told me suddenly as I spoke, because he told him, the Lord told him to speak out and to see these bones to come together. And listen, suddenly as I spoke, there was a rattling noise. I, man, wouldn't you have... I, there are just things, I mean, in the Old Testament, I would, I hope, surely somebody's got a VHS tape. We're going to watch some of this stuff that it was recorded. I mean, I, I don't know that surround sound would probably give us the impact of hearing this vast, these bones rattling, a sound all across the valley. And it says the bones, each body came together and attached themselves as complete skeletons. Verse 8, then as I watched, muscles and flesh formed over their bones. Can you imagine such a thing? I mean, we're talking something a whole lot more cool than 3D printing, y'all. I mean, right? Then skin formed to cover their bodies, but they still had no breath in them. And as we get into verse 9, I just want to remind you just very quickly, I didn't have time to go into all of it, but not everywhere in Scripture where we see the words breath or wind, it does not mean the Holy Spirit or God's breath. But I'm going to tell you that there's so many places, I mean, when you look at the Hebrew, it, th this word, when we talk about spirit and breath and wind, I mean, there is like the exact meaning in the Hebrew and the Greek, and you find it all through Scripture. And we find it here in Ezekiel chapter 37, verse 9, Then he said to me, Speak a prophetic message. Oh, just give me a second. <laughs> Speak a prophetic message to the winds, son of man. I'm trying to decide how can I say this very succinctly, very quickly. There is a movement that I'm very opposed to, very opposed to. We can have longer conversations later if you want to know, but there, there's like these, these uh, charismatic movements that are like having people sit in a circle and, and prophesy to one another. I'm going to tell you that is, I believe, and, and they intend that to mean from the gifts of the Holy Spirit in 1 Corinthians 12. I'm going to tell you, the Bible says, 1 Corinthians 12, 11, that the gifts only happen according to the Spirit's will. And what that means is, I can't will it to happen. It's got to be the will of the Holy Spirit. But there is a broader definition of what it means to prophesy. I mean, when you look biblically at what it means, it means to encourage and it means to build up. I'm going to tell you, church, some of you, in speak, you've been speaking death into your situation by your own confession, where you need to be speaking life. 
We're going to be speaking life. I, I, I'm not talking in the sense of First Corinthians. You understand, right? There is a prophetic message that can only happen through the will of the Holy Spirit. But yet, as one who the Holy Spirit works in, I can have the stream of living water flowing out from my life and bringing life to what's around me. That's what John 7:37 means. And I'm going to tell you, maybe it's time that you stand over your valley of dry bones and quit speaking death, quit speaking defeat, and start speaking life. Because when we read this word, the winds, the son of man, look, speak this prophetic message and say, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Come, O breath. So winds, winds. Come, O breath, from the four winds, breathe into these dead bones so they live again. That's talking about the same breath. In Genesis chapter 2, verse 6, when God formed Adam, and he's that pile of mud, and he breathed inside of him and brought life to Adam. I mean, think about that. He, he breathes life in it. I mean, think about the full essence of God filling mud. Remember Ezekiel 36? He gives us a new spirit, and then he gives us his spirit. And then we see it again in John chapter 20 and verse 22, that Jesus breathed on them, and they received the Holy Spirit that was not a, a, you know, that was not the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We, when we get saved, we all receive the work of the Holy Spirit into our life. That's 2 Corinthians 5.17. But there is another encounter to have with God and that he baptized, he immerses us in the Holy Spirit. But I'm going to tell you, it's time for you to breathe life into your situation. It's time for you to breathe life. Would you stand with me this morning? Hey, Mike, would you hand me that Kleenex up? Thanks for tuning in to the Odessa First Assembly podcast. If you've enjoyed today's message, be sure to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform so you never miss an episode. You can also follow us on social media for updates and inspirational content throughout the week. Find us on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube at Odessa First AG. And if you're in the area, we'd love to have you join us in person for our Sunday morning services at 1030 a.m. You can also catch our live stream on Facebook, YouTube, and Church Online. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time on the Odessa First Assembly Podcast.